Let us bow our heads together as we pray. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for this holy Sabbath that you've given this time that we can come apart from the cares of this life and worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray that as we pause for a few moments in time to reflect on your goodness towards us, to reflect on this time that you've given to us every seven days to think about our creator and redeemer we pray that you would speak to us for we ask these things in the precious name of jesus amen amen i invite you to open your bibles to the last book of the bible revelation chapter 7 revelation chapter 7 verse 1 through four. After these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. The imagery that you see in Revelation chapter 7, verse 1, is four angels that are holding back the four winds. I believe that some of those winds are sweeping out. When you look at the context of Revelation, when those winds are loosed, the final events will rapidly come and the second coming of Jesus is around the corner. So the scene is that there are angels under the instruction of God, that are holding these four winds back. And then there's another angel, a fifth angel, that comes in verse 2 and says, Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their forehead. There's a lot that we can talk about in this verse, but the point that I want to really hone in on is this idea that God is holding back the winds, the final events, the second coming of Jesus, until what, according to this verse? Until the sealing until the servants of our God are sealed on their foreheads. In in other words, God is not waiting for the beast power or for world events or for a certain political process to take place. God is not waiting for any of those things. What Revelation chapter 7 indicates is that God is waiting for who? God is waiting for His people. God is waiting for the sealing to take place, for the seal of God to be placed on the foreheads of his people. Now, the book of Revelation is a symbolic book. This is not a literal mark that an angel from heaven comes down and stamps Jehovah. I've seen some of these illustrations in our other denominations. You know, you place Jehovah on the forehead or Yahweh or a different name for God. This is not what it's talking about. This is a symbolic seal that is placed on the forehead. What is a seal? In the first century, there were these seals that were used. This is a 
an archaeological discovery of a first century seal that was used in ancient times. And when a document was signed, it was authenticated by a seal. They would take something like this, put it into wax, and impress it upon the document. This was a signature. This was the equivalent of an ancient signature. We talked about the signature of Abraham Lincoln in our children's story. This was the authentication of a document or a scroll. After you completed the document, you would place your seal upon it. Now, today we have the modern signature. We write signatures all the time when we're buying a home or uh, saying that we're going to pay the credit card amount that we've just swiped and so forth. These signatures are important. Now, when you look in Revelation chapter 22, it's interesting because the Bible says it a different way. Remember in Revelation chapter 7, it says that the seal of God was placed on the forehead. In Revelation chapter 22, it says it a different way. It says, they shall see his face and his what? His name shall be on their forehead. So the seal of God and the name of God are synonymous. It says that the name of God shall be on the forehead. The forehead is where the character resides. Reason, conscience. This is the prefrontal cortex, the name of God. Names in the Bible have special significance. Remember, Jacob's name was changed from deceiver, which is Jacob, to Israel. Names talk about character. So this indicates that God's last day people will have the character of love, the character of God, the transformation that takes place by grace is a part of the process of what we call this sealing. Last Sabbath, we talked about the signature of the Sabbath, the signature of the seven-day Sabbath. And let's do a brief review of last Sabbath study. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We stated that the, the Sabbath was God's signature in time. Genesis chapter 2, turn there, first book of the Bible, then the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished, and on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is before there was any sin. This is before the Jewish nation was even thought of. This is at the very beginning of creation. God sets apart the seventh day. And we made this observation when you look at it in the Hebrew, and did his work which he had done, and he, which is seven words in the Hebrew, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done, seven words in the Hebrew, and so God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Seven words, seven words, seven words. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, you can see the repetition of the seventh day is stated twice, or three times, I should say. And we said when you look at the literary structure of Genesis, you see that each day is mentioned once. You have the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. But when you come to the seventh day, it says the seventh day, the seventh day, the seventh day. 
Now, is God saying it three times because it's not important? Quite the contrary. This is a, a, an important repetition that God is making in the literary structure of Genesis. We also stated that when you look at the entirety of the creation account, when you look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the Bible states that the earth was without form and void. Without form indicates that it's without shape. Void indicates that it was empty. So there was something there when God began to create. There was some formless, empty entity that God formed and then he filled. And we looked at this literary structure. This is according to Dr. Muscala, who's an Old Testament scholar. He states that in the creative process, God, during the first three days, he forms the earth. Remember, it was without form and void. It was shapeless and then empty. First three days, he forms the earth. And then the next three days, four, five, and six, he fills the earth. First three days, on day one, he divided the light from, it was a light division from the day to the night, and the forming, when you define something, there's a separation that's involved there. So he divides the day from the night. On day two, he divides the water from the sky, and on day three, he divides the earth and the land. Day four, he proceeds to fill the heavens, the sun and the moon. On day five, he fills the water and the sky with the fish and the birds. On day six, he fills the land with animals and man and woman. The creative process is a unique one of forming and filling. And according to Dr. Mascala, on day seven, this is very unique because on day seven, it's the only day that has both forming and filling within it. All the other days had one of those creative processes, but on the seventh day, he forms the Sabbath. In other words, he separates it from the other ones. He distinguishes it from the other ones. The word sanctified literally means to set apart for holy use. So he forms the Sabbath, and then he fills the Sabbath. He fills the Sabbath with his holiness. The seventh day is the only day in which the creative process and forming process come together in one day. He sets it apart for holy use and then fills the Sabbath with his holiness. We right now are living and experiencing holy time. Amen? You believe that? God put his holiness into time. And we are experiencing that right now, like a holy wave every seventh day, wherever you are in the world, that holiness that is infused with the presence of God, infused with His holiness, comes over us like a holy wave, and we are in it right now, and we can participate in the holiness of God during this 24-hour period. He formed it and he filled it. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. God formed and filled the Sabbath with the holy presence of God. He didn't make a place holy. He didn't make an item holy. He made time holy. So every seventh day, 
we have the privilege of celebrating, of participating and acknowledging the sacredness of the Sabbath, the holiness of the Sabbath that God instituted in the very beginning. We also quoted this text, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. Also, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign or a seal between us so that they would know that I, the Lord, made them holy. You see, God is in the business of not just making time holy. God is in the business of making people holy. Amen? This is a holiness that He puts into time and also infuses into people. It's not our holiness. It is the holiness of God. And every time we keep the Sabbath, it is an acknowledgement of righteousness or holiness by faith, a holiness that is outside of us. Some people say that the Sabbath is all about righteousness by works. Quite the contrary. You rest on the Sabbath. Every time you keep the Sabbath, it's an acknowledgement that we can't make ourselves holy. It is God who can make us holy. So we can rest in that reality and that assurance. The Sabbath is not to be a time of anxiety. When we come together, we say, Lord, thank you that you give me your holiness. And we can reflect on that and rest in that reality. When we look at the Sabbath, according to Romans chapter 4, a seal is also a sign. Now, when we look at the seal, it says, Do not harm the earth, the sea, and the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. When we look at the nature of a signature, when we look at the creation week, we see that God creates the earth. It's without form and void. And day one, two, three, four, five, six, he completes something. He makes it very beautiful. And what does he do at the end? He signs it, right? Just like when a master artist completes a work of art, a painting, what does he do when the painting is completed? He signs it. He signs it. So, so here we have, in the creation week, God creates the earth in six days, and afterwards, he signs it. He signs it in time with his holiness. What the Bible also indicates when we keep the Sabbath, it is not only a signature of creation, it is also the signature of our redemption. So God takes me a mess and recreates in me the image of God. And that same signature of the Sabbath is applicable not only to the creation process, but to the recreation process of the image of God in my life and yours. The Sabbath is the sign, is the signature of what God is doing in your life and mine. Christ's Object Lessons, page 69. God is waiting with longing desire for the manifestation of Himself in the church when the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in His people, then He will come to claim them as His own. This has the same type of implications that we just read about in Revelation chapter 7. Notice what God is waiting for. He's waiting for the character of Christ to be perfectly reproduced. Now, a lot of people have misunderstood this reference. 
And they've assumed that this is not talking about character, but it's talking about being vegan vegetarian. Now, I'm all for health reform, all right? I strive to be vegan, okay? I'm what Ron Dupre said, strives to be a non-offensive vegan, okay? So, so lifestyle is important. Health, the health message is important, but this is not what it's talking about here. Now, how, the health message, I believe, is related to this, but notice what it says, when the character of Christ. Now, what is God's character? It's, it's love. It's love. And how is love manifest? How we treat each other and how we relate to God. So this is talking about character transformation by the grace of God, and God is waiting for His reflection to be reproduced in His people. That's what He's waiting for, and the Sabbath is a sign of what is taking place. Look at this. We quote this all the time, and being of Korean descent, I've been looking over with anxiety or some hope to North Korea and the recent developments that have been taking place, a historic moment that the President of the United States and the President of North Korea would meet, and we quote this all the time, and the, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, which includes North Korea, right? And then shall the end come. We know that the gospel has to go to the entire world, and when I see places like North Korea, there's some hope that I pray one day it will open up. And when you see North Korea op open up, you know that it's coming close, okay? Because it's one of the few places the gospel hasn't gone to. It says, it says that the gospel shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the end come. Now, we've often used this text to, to reference the preaching of the gospel in word. I believe that is applicable. But I would make the case that when it says that it shall be preached in all the world as a witness, that this is not just talking about the preaching of the gospel in word. This is talking about the preaching of the gospel in life. In life as well. I think of this idea in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. In other words, God is going to do a marvelous work in which the reflection of His character in His people will be reproduced when He comes a second time. There will be a group of people that will love like Jesus. Amen? that will relate to each other like Jesus, and that will be the reflection of Christ before He comes a second time. In the end, there will be only two groups of people, those that have the signature of God and His character, and those that have the signature of Satan and His character. These are the only two groups. And the question that we have today is, Whose signature that do we want to have on us? Whose character do we want to represent? The seal of God is God's signature. He does His work. He infuses His holiness. He recreates in us the image of God, and afterwards, He signs it. And every time we keep the Sabbath, it is that reality of that signature. And yet, there is another movement in the world today to not reproduce the character of God, but to reproduce the character of Satan. And other people will have his signature and his mark. 
That is the end time controversy that is going to take place. Whose character is going to be reproduced? The character of God or the character of Satan? The signature of God or the signature of Satan? Now the question is, how do we cooperate with God through this process of having his image being reproduced in our lives. And uh, this is a quote from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. By beholding, we become. The things that we think about are the things that we are becoming. It's a natural law that by beholding, we become changed. And this is talking about the Apostle John and how he was transformed. This is from the Acts of the Apostles. The power and the tenderness, the majesty and meekness, the strength and patience that he, John, saw in the daily life of the Son of God filled his soul with admiration. He yielded his resentful ambitious temper to the molding power of Christ and divine love wrought in him a transformation of character. John was naturally not a Christ-like person. Do you have character traits that you would rather you didn't have? Don't raise your hand. Do you have elements of you that you are not too proud of? Do you have certain, perhaps, anger issues, pride, arrogance? You know, we all grapple with these things. Elements of our character that we just are real challenging. The good news is that the transformation takes place not by willpower and New Year's resolutions, the transformation takes place through admiration. Have you ever met someone? They were so beautiful. I'm not talking about an external beauty. I'm talking about an internal beauty. Their character was so beautiful that you just stepped back and were like, I just gotta behold this beautiful person, the character of this person who the person is just touches you. And this principle is that when you behold beauty, when you behold a beautiful person, you become beautiful as well. That's the principle. You behold and then you become. So as you look at the beauty of who God is and you're touched and you admire that character, the transformation starts to happen. Have you ever um, been around somebody, don't raise your hands, that had character traits that just drove you nuts? That just, oh, and then have you ever been so irritated that you went to someone else to talk about that person and that characteristic that just drove you nuts? We need to be very careful when we do that for obvious reasons, but here's, here's another reason. Look at this. It says, evil speaking is a twofold curse, falling more heavily upon the speaker than upon the hearer. In other words, when we say something, we say, oh, that person's whatever, character, drives me nuts. 
it doesn't affect the person as much as it affects you. So when you say those words, this is what happens. It says, he who scatters the seeds of dissension and strife reaps in his own soul the deadly fruits. And look at this part. The very act of looking for evil in others develops evil in those who look. By dwelling upon the faults of others, we are changed into the same image. This is the irony is that when you say, oh, this person drives me up the wall, and you go to someone else and talk to them about it, you are becoming like that person by talking about that individual. By beholding, we become changed. By dwelling upon the faults of others, we are changed into the same image. And she goes on in Ministry of Healing, page 492, cultivate the habit of speaking well of others. Dwell upon the good qualities of those with whom you associate and see as little as possible of their errors and failings. When tempted to complain of what someone has said or done, praise something in that person's life or character. I've been in many Adventist circles. Conservative, liberal, moderate, uh, I don't appreciate these labels anyways. It's just so relative. But you know what I found? That this trait among our own community of faith is one that crosses all theological lines. Isn't that right? doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal. This is the challenge that we all face. And God's mission is to make you like him, to make me like Jesus. And one of the practical ways that we can cooperate with God in his work is to look at the good in others, as difficult as they may be sometimes, to appreciate the good in others, to see others through the eyes of Jesus, and to behold Jesus and his character. Our focus, as we close this morning, is our ages, page 83. This is a good Sabbath activity. It would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it point by point. Let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones. As we thus dwell upon his great sacrifice for us, our confidence in him will be more constant our love will be quickened, and we shall be more deeply imbued with His Spirit. Wouldn't it be beautiful if every Sabbath we could fill our minds with thoughts of Jesus? Amen? To appreciate, to admire, to contemplate, to meditate on the love of God. This is my prayer for us as a community of faith and my own Christian walk. Let us bow our heads as we pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that the Sabbath is a signature in time, a signature of holiness, of the work that God is doing in each one of us. And Lord, I'll be the first to acknowledge that I fall short so many times in beholding the husks and the failings 
of the failings of character in my own life as well as the life of others. Lord, may the Sabbath be a time of holiness, of thought and meditation and contemplation as we think about that is thinking about us. We pray that you would place your seal on us. For we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.